Hey, Jordan. Hey, Jordy. Can you tell everybody hello? Hello. How are you today? I'm good. I think everybody wants to know what you had for lunch today. I had, what do you have for lunch today? Can you tell everybody what you had? I had Freddy's. You did? We did. What did you get from Freddy's? Pepsi. Fish fries and hamburger. That sounds delicious. delicious. That sounds so good. Was it a fun surprise? Yes. Yeah. What kind of game did we go to over the weekend? I have a game. You went to a baseball game. That's right. And That's it was right. a professional Virtual. baseball. Virtual Do you remember baseball. who the team was? The uh, Braves. The Braves game. Games. That's right. It was fun. It was fun. What did you eat at the Braves game? I had pizza. And we had to shell something, remember? I had bit shell. Pizza. Peanuts. Peanuts. I have peanuts. You had peanuts, and the shells were going everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. You know what? Something that I thought was really fun about the game? Yes. You had so many people recognize you. Recognize you. We were walking along, and somebody would be like, there's Jordan, Jordan. from TikTok. TikTok video. Do you like being famous? Yes. You do? You did good at taking pictures with people. Taking pictures with all the people. Yeah. You're just a little superstar. Yes. Yeah. People often ask on social media, we get the question a lot, how did we know Jordan had autism? What was the early stages like? Because our social media presence really started, you know, she was 18 years old. They want to know the early years. I have very vivid memories of it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, though, some individuals, like their parents know from birth, the, the child was just different, had different looks. We were not that way. For Jordan, she developed typically for the first 18 months. She had words. I mean, I would say she was slower developed. Looking back now, she was our only child. but We didn't um, know. Right. We didn't know, but she definitely had words. I do remember probably about 20 months, I was watching a video of Jordan. And I remember telling you, in the video, I was like, that's odd. Her her words sounded better yeah. then than yeah. they do now. Yeah. And two it, months ago. It had right. been a few months ago, but you still didn't really didn't, think yeah. about it. Yeah. She's our first child. Everybody will tell you, oh, that's okay. They're just mm -hmm. slow to talk. But from 18 to 24 months, I was starting to kind of think she's just not talking as much. But I was a late talker. So you just kind of, you think it's all going to be fine. So I took her to her 24-month checkup. And I remember the pediatrician thinking she should get her ears checked. Yeah. I knew nothing about autism sure. at that point. So we're like, sure, we'll take her to get her ears checked. So we were in Missouri at the time. We went to the University of Missouri. You and I both went. We got her hearing checked and it was normal. It was fine. It yeah. was fine. So I told you, hey, you don't need to go back to the, the appointment with a mm -hmm. pediatrician, the follow-up for the ears. It'll be fine. Um, I'll just take her. You don't need to take off yeah. work. So I go back and we're in, Jordan and I are in this room with the pediatrician. She had like a resident in there at the time. Poor guy. <laughs> I probably scarred this guy's future sure medical not, career. I'm sure he's not in the medical field anymore. Exactly. So I, the pediatrician starts asking some questions and my background before being a mom, my first job was a school social worker. So I had sat through a few IEP meetings 
one of them was with what is IEP meeting so for the that, folks out there that don't that'll be something that. that we also learn Ben and I definitely have roles of parenting and the educational realm has a lot been in mind and IEP is an individualized education plan any child in the school district that has a disability will have an IEP and basically it's the team, it's the school and the parents meeting together to come up with goals every year you meet again to see if those goals are reached. So, um, that's what an IEP is. So I knew just a little bit about autism from those meetings I had set in, but not enough to really know what it was. And the pediatrician started asking me some questions and about Jordan looking at her and different things, but it was enough to kind of trigger something for me. And I looked at that. I looked at her and I said, do you think she has autism? And I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday. The pediatrician said, I'm not saying she does, but I do have some concerns and I just think we should monitor her for the next six months. And I was like, I am not the wait and see type of mom here. I was like, you can't just drop this on me and say, let's wait and see. So at this point I'm crying and I was like, I I can't wait six months. Like that's, that's torture. And she said, let me step out and go make a few phone calls. She, and so that's all she told me. And she left that poor intern in there and I was grilling him and I was like, I, you know, what does this mean? And he was like, I don't know. I'm like in my second year of school. But I just, at that moment, my whole life changed and I needed someone to help explain it, to help me process it. And the only person there was that poor college kid. So she comes back in the room a few minutes later and she said, basically she phoned a friend. She called a specialist at the University of Missouri that she knew had an interest in looking at early diagnosis and seeing if that helped the trajectory of someone's life. So she went in, called that doctor, was able to get her on the phone. Because Jordan was so young is how you got She was 24 months. And so there was about, I think, a 10-month waiting list and this specialist was going to see Jordan the next within like that next week um, for an evaluation. And it was just something that really never happens. So we were lucky if you could say that our whole world got rocked that day. And it just so happened your well, yeah, office was, right was yeah. in the same office complex as the pediatrician. Oh, so yeah. I literally leave that office with Jordan I walk into your office. Jordan wasn't with you. Was she, she was. I don't remember Jordan she being was. with you, but I remember you walking in and you telling me, and I didn't have a. Sorry I, about autism. I didn't know what. I didn't know anything about it. The poor receptionist at your office. <laughs> I think I was kind of hysterical because I walked into that office mm-hmm. thinking all I was going to hear is that her hearing was good. Yeah. I had no idea that the doctor had even suspected more. I now know that is one of the first things doctors will do if they suspect autism is they rule out hearing loss first because early signs of autism are often like a parent will say, it's like he doesn't even hear me. It's like they don't notice I'm there. So they rule out hearing, but I did not know that at the time. And so, you know, we both left your office that day. And I'm sitting there, I go to the computer, first thing, Google, hey, what is autism? And 
I mean, I just started crying, and I remember Jerry coming in and we talking about it. It was tough. It was tough. Um, you know, I think as parents, you hear about things happening to to kids, but mm-hmm. you never think it's going to be your Good kid. Job. And so when it is, it's just, it's gut-wrenching. So that weekend was her birthday, so we had to like... We had to like, you know, throw on our party faces and um, we hosted a birthday party for Barney. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Barney was in our house for years, years. years. Oh gosh, um, so that was her Barney memory. birthday party. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, that next week we, we took her to the University of Missouri and we had her diagnosed. And so many, especially back in that day, because, you know, it was, yeah. you know, she's 21 now. So that was a lot I'm of years talking. ago. A lot of people received very little hope at an appointment. Um, a lot of people were just like, you know, there's nothing you can do. You need to put your child in an institution. That was not our experience. Our experience with this doctor, and I, yeah. I remember it, she said, I don't know what the future holds for her. I don't know if she'll be able to grow up and get married, but I am certainly not at at age two, going to tell you she can't. Um, I'm going to tell you, if I were you, I would start her in ABA, which Mm -hmm. is applied behavior therapy, you know, as many hours a week as you can. And, you know, she just helped us get started. Mm -hmm. But then we were in Missouri at the time. So we start looking into this and there is one BCBA, which is a person that like oversees the ABA therapy project in the state. So you're supposed to, you're just, and they were in Columbia though, right? They were in Columbia, that, which was where we were. So, yes. that, which was nice it versus was. Kansas city or St. Louis. But here you're told your child's best hope is to have as many hours of this therapy as possible. Yeah. And Oh, there's one in the state. Mm-hmm. I instantly jumped into research mode. We were on a waiting list for this one. Surprise, surprise. So what happened was that person would come once a month to your house and kind of oversee the program. You'd get like one to two hours. We then hired college students from the University of Missouri. We trained them and I set in. They well, would, they trained them. They, I mean, you yes, were there the whole yes, time. Yes, I went through all the yeah. training as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would come, each of them would come about 15 hours a week. So we would have between 30 to 40 hours Morning and afternoon of a two-year-old doing this, be, doing this, yeah, and sitting at a desk, and it was on. hard. Was and good, yeah. so I set in on every session, just to kind of make it easier for her, make the transition between therapists go. And I remember one time the the BCBA came in, and I was like, he he was trying to tell me that she doesn't have any receptive language. And I said, I don't believe that. I can tell. I can tell things I tell her. And receptive language is you, you're saying something, she's understanding. understanding it. Yes. She had no yeah. verbal language. She couldn't speak at the time. But as a mom, there was things I could say. And I was like, I know she gets that. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, she doesn't understand anything. So I go and I get out the Barney. You're dealing with me. So you are my receptive language all the time. I got out the Barney video cover and the Wiggle videos cover. Because he's literally trying to tell me she can't distinguish between anything. And I said, I did it just like he would do. I put these on the table and said, Jordan, point to this, point to that. And she could do it every time. So then I got two other things that she really liked. 
she could do it every time. And from that point, I knew I was like, okay, I get the science, but we have to apply this to our child. We have to make adaptions for what's going to work for her. And it was a few days later that one BCPA in the state called and he goes, I really think it would be best if you would have another child to give you something else to focus on so that you won't be as involved with her. And I was like, (laughs) I don't think we're going to work out very well here. Um, It just was like, I, you know, at the end of the day, I've always said, I want to surround myself with the very best professionals, but I need to learn it as well because you and I are going to be the ones that are there for the rest of her life. They're going to come in and out of her life, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be you and I. And I just was like, so we did, we made a lot of changes based on that. We still use the principles behind the therapy, but we, we molded it to Mm. our own. Well, while Jackie was in the research mode, I think at that point I was in the go to work mode. I think all I saw was dollar signs. All these kids were coming in, but it was was at quite a bit of an expense. So I'm thinking to myself, how are we going to pay for this? And so I think that first year, that's where I went. I think I was like, I got to go to work. I got to make some more money. I got to figure out a way to pay for all this stuff. And you traveled a lot then. I traveled a lot, yeah. But that worked for us. And I think that is an important point for all families. You have to figure out your style of what what you want each person to do. I think so many marriages end in divorce Mm -hmm. in the realm of disabilities because it is hard. We were fortunate to find each of our spots where we were going to be the most helpful. I liked researching. I liked saying, this is what I think we should do. And you jumped in and were supportive of it. Absolutely. And I think that worked. Because I didn't want to do all the research. I I, I don't say I didn't want to. You were already doing it. You You were there. I wasn't there, I guess. I mean, I left early of the morning, came home at five or six, if I came home that night, of course. And I just didn't know. I mean, I'm like a father that's... So my favorite Ben story, and I say favorite loosely, when I think it was, we were maybe in the first year of the diagnosis. So I was struggling emotionally. Um, My dad died just a few months later after she was diagnosed. We moved into a new house. There Mm -hmm. was way too much going on. And then our dog... And I mean, it broke his Uh, leg really bad to the, and then it got infected and we think he's going to potentially lose his leg. So I take Peyton to the university of Missouri. I do a lot of university of Missouri on this talk, um, to the vet school there because our vet had said he's passed what we can do. So I am going there thinking they're going to amputate the dog's leg. And they tell me we we can save the leg. So I come home to you, you just get home from work. And all I'm saying is praise the Lord. Something good's going on. I said, they, they have two options. They can save Peyton's leg. It's going to be about a $4,000 surgery or no, it was four. four. And they, or it's inflation now it would be, but, (laughs) um, but, or to, or, or they can amputate amputate the leg. And so my mind, like my mind was clearly, we're going to save the dog's leg. Your mind went 100% in the opposite direction. And you looked at me and said, Oh, when, when's he getting the leg taken off? 
And let me tell you, there's three legged dogs. Okay. I lost it. I am bawling. I am going, I'm like, I've, I've, my daughter got diagnosed with autism. My just lost my dad. And now you want friends to come over and have a three legged -legged dog. dog. I mean, I am bawling. I am hysterical. And you went back into your regular role. You branched out of it for a minute. Back to my business mode. And you said, what, let, let's schedule let's, the surgery. Let's, let's fix the leg. Yep, and yep. I was like, okay, Absolutely. thank you. I thought you'd come around to that. <laughs> I do remember that. So yes, yeah. you, anytime you barely branched out of that, I'll yeah. pay for the role. We quickly got you back That's into right. it. That's right. So the first year, that was a lot of what it was like therapy in our home. But then I would say she was probably three. I don't even know if you remember this. We put her in a preschool at the university and it was a speech and language preschool. She was more on the severe side. Most of the kids in there just had, you know, some minor speech delays, but they were willing to take her in it. And it was really our first experience of me being away from her. And I would drop her off and there was a Panera right down the road and I would go and sit in the car. That's as far as the way I'd go. I didn't want to look like the crazy parent that didn't leave the The parking parking lot lot of the school. But I knew I had, because the other thing is like you had a cell phone back in those days, but like you didn't actually talk on it. You would just like get a call and it would cost you like a gazillion dollars a minute. Well, you'd go over your shoulder and you're packing them around. I, I would go... Eventually, after several sessions, I felt comfortable enough to go into Panera because I felt like I had a few extra minutes. Yes. But that I I think that's the fear as parents we go through of needing to be so close by in those early days. You you never have someone outside, you know, with her. And Mm -hmm. so that was our first step into, you know, letting her out some and and being away, but I was scared to death. So she was still nonverbal at this time. I mean, probably on episode two of the podcast, you're already realizing I love to talk. And so the idea of her never being able to talk was really, really hard for me. Um, And so I think that was what was driving us. And at the time, I I couldn't imagine anything worse than her not being able to talk through life experiences. Now you realize really what you want is a happy child, but at Mm -hmm. the time speech was happiness for Mm me. Mm -hmm. Um, so we just put everything in to trying for that. But when did we move? When did you move? So I went to a conference when she was about four and a half And I came home from the conference and I had learned of a school that really specialized in speech in North Carolina. Carolina. And I came home and I said, I think Jordan and I need to move to North Carolina. And you were like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) And so within a few months we did, you, you know, you stayed back at home. We took the dog, our four legged dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Uh. so we moved to North Carolina. You would kind of come back. It was hard. Yeah. You I went come, back and forth every every weekend. Most or, weekends. Most weekends, yeah. yeah. I'd get on the plane on Friday, yeah. fly out. I'd come back on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. and every. I mean, I remember driving to St. Louis, getting on a plane, yes. get out there in um, an hour. Yeah. You know, one of the things I mentioned was my dad had passed away. And so that was what we used a lot of my inheritance on. Mm-hmm. But I thought there was nothing my dad would have liked more than helping her. 
But the ironic thing is when we got to North Carolina, she actually started having some medical issues. She started having severe, severe Mm -hmm. panic, anxiety. I can remember days of driving hundreds of miles in a day and never leaving a seven mile radius of our house. Um, It was that was her comfort. That was that was the only thing that calmed her. And I was there with her by myself. So you couldn't. I I couldn't even leave her in a room by herself to sleep because I was afraid she was going to hurt herself. And I mean, no doubt that was the lowest Mm -hmm. point of, of Mm -hmm. my life and my journey. Mm -hmm. And really what kept me going was we can't live like this. We've got to dig for answers. We've got to keep helping her because this life isn't livable. I can remember in the house, like there would be blood on the walls because her fingers would just be, she would go to the bathroom. I would say sometimes she would literally walk in the house from one bathroom to the next, to the next, because she couldn't talk in her mind. That was the only thing she knew to do to try to help make herself feel better. She knew she was feeling so overwhelmed inside. That was the only thing she could try to do. Um, And then we went to Florida right after North Carolina was Florida. So at that point, Jordan, you know, was just really struggling anxiety. And and when I say anxiety, like that doesn't even touch on it, like completely debilitating. She's not quite five at the time. And so we just didn't know what to do, where to turn. There was some specialist in Florida that we were, that was recommended to Mm -hmm. us. So Jordan and I went and Mm -hmm. spent a couple of months there. And I really feel like we found a pediatrician there that also had a daughter with autism that just really helped change Jordan's, like mm-hmm. she figured out what was going on and just really helped yeah, her. Helped so, but I think that also showed us being in two separate states, you trying to be one place, us oh, trying to be the other. Hard. It was hard and it wasn't going to work. And That's, you're being nice. It was difficult. It was difficult for me. Well, it was tough for me too. <laughs> <laughs> So at the time you were traveling a lot to the Southeast. Anyway, we started looking into what resources were available in Georgia and we just Mm -hmm. decided that was the best place for the whole family. My my work was, you know, architectural construction. So we were getting so much, I mean, I was based in Missouri, of course, we were getting so much work in Alabama, Georgia, some in North Carolina, South Carolina, dabbling in it. And a lot of times when I would come to the Southeast, I would just stay, stay that, that entire next week, you know, just work out of the house or, you know, go to the job sites or do whatever right out of the house. Um, and because of that, I think is like, we need a business wise, we needed a presence in the Southeast. So Atlanta, of course, is the hub of everything. It seems like it, you know, of course, and it's, you know, the flights were easy in Atlanta, easy out of Atlanta. So I think that's when you came up and said, well, there's a school, there's another school in Atlanta. Yeah. Thought that would be perfect. It you worked know, you, out for your career wise, yep, for, for Jordan, Jordan, for our for whole family. Everything. It's like yeah. that. So that's what happened. We all just kind of. So by that met, point, met yep, that point yeah. Jordan was getting probably close to five and a half. And we still, I'm still searching for speech. That's what I wanted. <laughs> and of course, when she was five and a half, more and more professionals are trying to prep me for this probably isn't going to happen, happen for her. And I just wasn't at the place where I could accept that. And she had a few signs, but 
I just couldn't give up on the idea. And I had met a friend. She was going, I mean, you said science, she was going through her, that's, that was important. I mean, yes. I whether we talk about it now or hit that later in a future or a future podcast, she was doing her, her sign language and it was, yes. it was coming along. And that was at least some relief to both us that, Hey, I yeah. need to go to the bathroom. I want to drink. That was huge. Because we, we potty trained her before she had any language. And so for the first year, she was just what we call trip trained and we would make sure and take her every 30 minutes. But then she got to where she could use a sign to tell us she had to go to the bathroom and it was huge. But still as a mom, I wanted to hear the words. And when we got to Atlanta, I met a mom, another mom here who to this day, we are very good friends. And she was telling me about a speech therapist for her son And she said, I do not believe my son would be speaking if it wasn't for the speech therapist. So I was like, game on, we're going. (laughs) So we go, we go find Martha and I take Jordan and I have her evaluated and you're just, you're sitting there waiting to hear what she's going to say. And I just said, do you think there's any chance that she can talk? And she looked at me and she goes, absolutely. I, I. Uh, she can. Mm -hmm. And I was like, finally. But she said, it is going to take more than one hour a week with me to get her to talk. And that's all I have to give. So you're going to have to sit in on every session and you're going to have to go home and you're going to have to practice this five times a day, every day, because one hour a week isn't, isn't going to get it. And I said, I will do whatever you need me to do. Yeah. And I sat in there and I had a notebook and I would leave there sometimes in tears because it was like I was taking a college course and the the, the method she used, one of them, she used quite a few, but it's called Prompt and it's P-R-O-M-P-T. And she really specialized in autism and apraxia because Jordan also was then diagnosed with apraxia of speech. And explain what apraxia is for the people that maybe not heard that word before. So apraxia is also autism often affects speech. Apraxia is a speech disorder. Basically, Jordan was struggling to know how to signal the brain from her mouth of how to form the sounds, how to make the sounds into words. So when she was younger, she would get a sound, but then a couple of weeks later, she would lose the sound. She might get a word approximation, but then she would lose it. The apraxia, she just couldn't keep all those figuring out how to physically move, move her, her mouth, mouth. Yeah. and get those out. Well, if you can't keep one sound without losing another, you know, mm-hmm. you're never going to gain language because that's the whole part of building and it's how typical toddlers do it. And so we started, you know, using this prompt therapy, which anyone can Google it and, and read more about it if you think it's something that would potentially help your child. But basically the speech therapist was manipulating Jordan's mouth physically with, yeah, her, with hands her hands yep, yep. to start to cue her as to what it would feel like on her mouth to make that sound. So she could start pick, putting that, that brain-mouth connection together. Oh, when I make this sound, this is what it does. And a lot of times she used that little, it looked like a sucker, but the, instead of of a piece of candy on the end of a stick. It was a little foam that had some little, yeah, a little sponge that she would actually stick in Jordan's mouth and move her tongue around. You move it up, you move it down, left, right, whatever. Um, And she was also doing things to like strengthen Jordan's mouth. She used a lot of different approaches. And what we started noticing, you know, we were so hopeful, but yet by this point, Mm -hmm. 
very cautious as well because you've gotten your hopes up so many times and but we I remember I remember you noticing you're like I think she's saying sounds now that she didn't say before and so within a month or two we could tell we were getting somewhere Mm -hmm. but my favorite moment up to this point we had done hours upon hours of therapy and all the stuff is being poured into Jordan, but we had no idea if she was getting any of it. We had no idea if she knew her ABCs, her numbers, anything. You would assume she didn't. And we were sitting at the table, we were doing our sound cards and stuff. And I was doing like ABC and then I would leave a blank. And all of a sudden she just started going with the song, with her approximations. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know she knew her ABCs, so let alone then to all of a sudden start saying them. But it was at that moment I was like, all the stuff we've poured into her is there. She yeah, just, she couldn't, just couldn't get it out. Yeah. She mm-hmm. had a she had an output problem, yeah. not an input problem. And um, it was at that moment I didn't know how far she would get in speech, but I was like, oh, we're getting this. Yeah. We're getting this. And that was it. Yeah. And that was it. And from that moment on, she built on her language. She never lost language from then. You know, she's not perfect at perfect at it today. Any, but any follower that follows us, follows us on social media, they will be able to see, you know, the minute you talk to Jordan, you know, instantly there's something different and she struggles to tell us her, you know, emotions or things. But I mean, she chats it up in the shirt shop. She's able to ask questions. Um, If you look at her now, it, it kind of feels like nothing short of a miracle, but I don't like using the word miracle because we, you know, Jordan worked so hard to get it. TikTok number one to TikTok wherever we are today, the progress she's made has been outstanding. I mean, she, it's, it's crazy. And we get a lot of comments just, yeah. Exactly. So I feel like through our story, you know, whether you have a five-year-old that you're maybe hoping can talk Mm -hmm. or you have a 19-year-old that you're hoping learns to talk more, we, we saw so much progress after the quote window of when they said she probably wouldn't learn. And now, I mean, she has improved so much in her speech in the last three years. So I just think she is showing that it is never too late to to gain that. So, I mean, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, it's been a struggle. Um, but we've, we're not there. I mean, we always continue to prove on it. Absolutely. And the, and the TikTok is really, I mean... We, you and Jordan like to do them. You do the porch swing videos, but not only do you do that for the business, it's helping her oh, every absolutely. time she does it. So that's been huge. I'm so happy Martha came into our lives when she did. I'm sure we probably have a lot of therapists, teachers, doctors listening. And I hope, you realize through our story, the true power you all have. Mm -hmm. She looked at me and said, I think she can learn how to talk. And worst case scenario, she was wrong. Jordan wasn't going to learn to talk anyway. But 
her belief. I could have been broken at that point had she not done that. And I mean, it is the reason Jordan has a voice today. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we have professionals listening, I just hope, you know, the power your words can have on a parent. Um, it can literally change the entire course of a child's life. Um, one other quick, funny story I have, as far as my journaling, I would keep a journal every day of what, of everything about her. And so I started comparing notes of what she ate. And I also had notes about like her behaviors in the day. And I remember looking and I'm like, I think she's allergic to apples. And so I, I get on this crazy whim. I'm going to take her to the allergist. And so he was, this allergist is going to do the full panel of like the, on her back. the skin prick test. Yeah. And I yeah. said, can you just, you know, throw in apples in there? And well, he was like, done that skin? I think I did. Yeah, I did too. I don't, I don't think I don't, you have. I don't think I have. It'd be curious what, what most people, yeah. if they so do it or not. But anyway, she, I said, could you just test her for apples too? I think she's allergic <laughs> to apples. And this guy looked at me, he was like, no one's allergic to apples. And I, was, so I get out my binder. I'm like, whipping through the pages like we'll see on this day this day this day she she ate this and this happened he is looking at me like i am nuts and i sounded nuts to be fair and i was like whether it was a red apple or just humor (laughs) me because i said she'll eat this and then she like kind of goes crazy afterwards and he was like it's just the sugar in it and i'm whipping to page 14 i'm like no but she had this sugary thing on this day and it didn't happen and so anyway i know he had to have left the room and he was like it's another crazy one is, yeah, but he humored me. He did it. And so then the, the way you do it is you run these little things over their back and you have to wait a few minutes, I think 15, I don't remember, to see which whelps appear. Okay. So she comes, he, the doctor comes back in and she has several things she's allergic to. But the number one thing <laughs> was apples. apples. <laughs> and he was like, he and he was, you know, kind of cute about it. He goes, Okay, you got me there. He goes, I've never seen anyone allergic to apples, but she is allergic to apples. And so we took that out of her diet and it helped a lot. Now, she was without apples for years. She can eat them now, fine. Them fine yeah. But um, it was just one of those, you know, mom moments that I was like, I you think know, I'm on to yeah, something here. Yeah. And so, you know, we always have to follow those, you know, mom, dad, gut feelings. Absolutely. And yeah. No matter. You had a lot of those. I did. I yeah. did. Yeah, I journaled a lot. Right. Journaling was very therapeutic for me. Like to yeah. write it down just made me feel better. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. yeah. So anyway, that's that's, that's the story. The early years. That is what got us here. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. that's you know, we'll continue on with other episodes of what mm-hmm. happened after age six. But until age six, it was rough. But it you know, it goes along with our motto: never give up. Thank you so much for listening to the Be Kind to Everyone podcast. We know your time is valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Word of mouth is the number one way people learn about new podcasts. So we need your help for people to find us. Please, please, please tell everyone you know about our show. To learn more about our story and see our shirts, go to BeKindToEveryone.com. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, you guys.